dropping on my face. It's a man, it's a man, watch that. It's a man, it's a man, watch that. It's a man, it's a man, watch that. Welcome to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, I wanted to kick off May by celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. All of my reviews, rants, and randomness in this episode will feature actors, directors, writers, and athletes who are part of the AAPI community. According to the AsianPacificHeritage.gov website, the month of May was chosen to commemorate the immigration of the first Japanese people to the United States on May 7, 1843, and to mark the anniversary of the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad on May 10, 1869, whom the majority of workers to lay the tracks were Chinese immigrants. I've mentioned my admiration for Criterion Collection. I've never been disappointed with one of their releases. Recently, I purchased the Once Upon a Time in China collection. There are six movies in the franchise which tell the story of folk hero Wang Fei Hung, who was a martial arts expert in Hungai, as well as a physician that practiced acupuncture. The first three movies starred Jet Li, which made him a bona fide star in China. His first English-speaking role would be in the movie Lethal Weapon 4, which is the first film that I actually saw him in. Vincent Zhao would take over the role in Once Upon a Time in China 4, 5, and the television show, the Wang Fai Hung series. Jet Li would return to the role in 1997 with Once Upon a Time in China and America. As expected, the transfers look absolutely pristine. There are plenty of extras, new interviews with the cast and crew, behind the scenes, making of, and two documentaries. The films celebrate Chinese culture and history. There are so many vivid colors and beautiful imagery captured, but its triumph are the martial arts sequences and stunt set pieces. They up the game and set a new standard for action choreography. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is Skip It. Two stars Watch at Your Own Risk. Three stars Standard Fare. Four stars Worth Checking Out. And five stars Must See. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie The Farewell from 2019. So how'd I miss it? I don't know. I've had this movie on my list since I saw clips at the 35th Independent Spirit Awards, which it won Best Feature. But it looks so heavy. And with these types of films, you just have to be in the right mindset. So here we are. It was directed by Lulu Wang, who helmed Posthumous, 3030 Vision, Three Decades of Strand Releasing, and Expats. She also wrote the screenplay. It was based on a true story, or as they say in the movie, based on a lie. This is something to look out for. 
There's a scene where a bird has flown into Billy's apartment, which in many cultures signifies an impending death. Billy is a millennial trying to survive New York City. She's an aspiring writer looking for a job, late on her apartment's rent payments, and just received a letter stating her application for the Guggenheim Fellowship was unsuccessful. She's played by Aquafina, stand-up comedian and actress known for Crazy Rich Asians, Ocean's 8, and Nora from Queens. Billy's parents moved to the United States when she was six years old, and she's been influenced by Western cultures and traditions. Despite the distance, she's still close with her grandmother, Nai Nai, who lives in Changchun, China, with Mr. Lee, her companion of convenience. She's recently been to the hospital where she's gone through tests including an MRI and CT scan. Her sister speaks with the radiologist, though we're not privy to the conversation. When she returns, Nai Nai asks about the results, and her sister says she's in full health. When she questions about the dark spots on her scans, her sister responds that it's benign shadows. Nai Nai is portrayed by Zhao Shuzhen, who starred in Only Cloud Knows and the series The Story of Ming Lan. So Billy visits her parents' house to do the laundry. She has to deal with her family's questions about her direction in life. Her mother mentions that they're flying out to China because her cousin, Hao Hao, is getting married. Billy finds this curious as she wasn't invited to the wedding, and it's her only cousin. When she speaks with her father, she senses something is wrong. She pushes the issue, and her mother says that Nai Nai has stage 4 lung cancer, and doctors say she has three months to live, if that. Billy wants to fly to China to see her, but the family has decided that it's better not to tell Nai Nai of her diagnosis. There's nothing that can be done, and there's a saying that, when people get cancer, they die. It's not the cancer that kills them, it's the fear. Billy asks about the wedding, but it's being used as an excuse for everyone to see Nai Nai for one last time. When she insists on going, her mother says that she can't hide her emotions, and Nai Nai would find out right away that something was wrong. Billy defies her parents' wishes and flies to China. Will she be able to keep the family secret under wraps? Or will the truth reveal itself? Here's a quote without context. How should I have told you? Oh, your grandma's on the roof? The Farewell is a good movie. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement, but this is the type of film that Hollywood could make if they wanted to. It's a family drama with bits of comedy thrown in for good measure. It's very relatable, especially when making decisions about an elderly person's well-being, which is something I know most families go through at one point or another. It's an interesting dilemma because they feel they're protecting someone they love, but they're also being a bit selfish by not allowing a dying person to live out their life the way they choose. I'm really impressed with the acting because it's not easy to balance sadness while feigning happiness. Also, many of the cast are fairly new to the industry, or at least don't have many professional credits, but you couldn't tell. It shows how many talented people are out there. Billy's parents are played by Zai Ma of Mulan and Arrival fame, and Diana Lin from the television series The Family Law. Uncle Hybin is portrayed by Yang Bojang, who appeared in There Will Be Ample Time and Eight Banners Tomb. Just a strong cast. Ultimately, this is a story about the relationship between Billy and Nai Nai. You can tell these characters have a deep affection for each other. Aquafina gives a moving performance, struggling with trying to respect the traditions and wishes of her family, but also the love of her grandmother. Filming took place in Changchung, China, which is a lot of fun to say, and I know it gets tedious hearing this from me, 
but I always enjoy watching films with different landscapes and cultures. As a side note, I'm not sure if this is interesting, but it's a rare PG-rated film that's adult-oriented. Now for a little trivial trivia. Writer-director Lulu Wang plays piano on the film's score. The cinematography was captured by Ana Franquesa Solano, whose filmography includes Indiana, Buck Run, and Silent Notes. It was co-edited by Michael Taylor, who worked on Nine Days and You Mean Everything to Me, and Matt Friedman, who worked on Dragon Ball Evolution, Step Up Revolution, and John Tucker Must Die. The score was composed by Alex Weston, who wrote the music for What Breaks the Ice, The Novice, and Come Find Me. The soundtrack features songs by Brian Steele, Mindy Lau, Han Chen, and Ayo Mitsuhara. The runtime is 1 hour 40 minutes. It had a budget of $3 million and grossed $23 million at the box office. I give it 3.5 out of 5 stars. Add half a star if you prefer independent films. Take off a star if you don't like reading in movies. Yes, there are some subtitles. If you've seen The Farewell and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called MattWatchThat Playback. I will fully admit that I haven't kept up with music as much as I used to. That happens as you get older. I still know enough artists to hold my own in a conversation. I have no idea what BTS or K-pop is, but I can use it in a sentence to appear more hip than on the verge of breaking a hip. But at an age where computer technology has replaced pure talent, I was taken aback by a performer who not only had an incredibly smooth voice, but she is a guitar virtuoso. Or should I say, her. Raised in the Bay Area, Gabriella Wilson is mixed race with her mother being Filipina-American and her father is African-American. She started performing at the age of 10, appearing on the Today Show and various other programs displaying her incredible skills. She was signed to her first record deal at 14. In 2016, she reemerged under the moniker Her and gained much notoriety, winning a Grammy Award for Best R&B Performance for Best Part and Best R&B Album for her compilation record Her. She's since won two additional Grammys in 2021 for Song of the Year for I Can't Breathe and Best R&B Song for Better Than I Imagine and an Academy Award for Best Original Song from the movie Judas and the Black Messiah. She was up for nine Grammys at this year's ceremony, winning one. I remember watching a program with live performances, though I can't recall what it was, and when she started playing, I'm like, who is this person? I haven't been this impressed with a musician in years, and she has the chops to back it up. I've selected a couple of clips for your enjoyment. She sang Let's Go Crazy at the Grammy Salute to Prince after his untimely death. She performed America the Beautiful at Super Bowl LV, whatever that is, 55, 45, something. Alphonse, Alphonse, look that up for me. And lastly, the Oscar winning song, Fight For You. They're all available in the Matt Watch That playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about 
Linsanity. This documentary from 2013 featured NBA player Jeremy Lin, who took the New York Knicks by storm when he came off the bench and dropped 25 points with 7 assists, leading to a victory over the then New Jersey Nets. In his first four starts, he averaged 27.3 points per game, a feat no starter had accomplished since the NBA-ABA merger. He helped lead the team to 10 wins in 13 games at a time when the Knicks were spiraling downward. Ah, how the times have changed. Jeremy Lin was undrafted out of college, but signed with the Golden State Warriors. He was the first American-born NBA player of Chinese or Taiwanese descent. His NBA career spanned nine years and has since played for the Santa Cruz Warriors of the G League and the Beijing Ducks of the Chinese Basketball Association. There was an interesting controversy over his hair. He was known to sport different styles, but on one occasion he chose dreadlocks. His former teammate, Kenyon Martin, accused him of cultural appropriation. Jeremy Lin called it cultural appreciation, not appropriation. He also pointed out Kenyon's own hypocrisy in the politest of ways. Quote, Hey man, it's all good you don't have to like my hair. And definitely entitled to your opinion. Actually, I'm legit grateful for you sharing it, to be honest. At the end of the day, I appreciate that I have dreads and you have Chinese tattoos, because I think it's a sign of respect. Pointing that out could be a mic drop moment right there. But he continued, And I think as minorities, the more we appreciate each other's cultures, the more we influence mainstream society. Thanks for everything you did for the Nets and Hoops. Had your poster on my wall growing up. End quote. To Kenyon's credit, he did reach out to Jeremy Lin and was extremely apologetic, and they had a great conversation about it. Jeremy Lin has always been a class act, and the sport of basketball is better because of his contributions. The documentary, Lin Sanity, is currently available on Amazon Prime Video. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for all the reviews, rants, and randomness. But she is a guitar virtuo. How do you say that word, Matt? Add half a star if you're independent. Didn't realize how much of a tongue twister that is. Whose filmography includes Indiana, Buck Run, and Silent Noises. Or Silent Notes. I'm just making up film titles. It was directed by Lulu. I was just going to say Lululemon. Ugh.